would like to honor the veterans for their service today before we get started, Carl. So we yes. got to give a shout out, and especially since your grandfather-in-law, I guess that's yeah. how yes. you say my it. Wife's, my wife's grandfather. I was on Fox 2 this morning and found out about it by watching. Wow. Because they took a picture of us at the Iwo Jima, which is the Marine Memorial in Washington, D.C. And then all of a sudden I looked up and I was looking back at myself because our his entire family was there. And so I looked up and I was there and they're like, hey, there you're on TV. I'm like, oh, I did not know that that was happening because Tim Azell was on the 100th Honor flight and he put his package together and saved it for Veterans Day. So even though it happened two weeks ago, they aired it today for Veterans Day. Oh, so we can see you on. Okay, well, that's good because you, you know, that uh, I would enjoy seeing that. Well, he was a World War II veteran. Yes. And he got to go on the honor flight, which is a great service. My uncle and my dad were in the Navy in the Korean War. Ah. So I've got their perspective on things. We'll talk to our guest, Kevin McBeth from in unison with the st louis symphony orchestra in just a moment then around minute 27 black panther wakanda forever and then around minute 41 enola holmes 2 around minute 48 spirited on apple plus around minute 57 after sun around one hour and one minute fire of love around one hour and three minutes weird the al yankovic story and then around one hour and eight minutes Sliff is ending this weekend, and the Stages Gala is happening too. But, so uh, I, I I heard you can you can say Happy Veterans Day, but you should not say Happy Memorial Day because right. Memorial Day is a somber event. But you, since you're honoring veterans, you can say Happy Veterans Day. So feel free right. to say that to everyone. <laughs> that's right. good to know. Hey, yes. that's Kevin McBeth. Hi, Kevin. Good morning. Hello. Well, welcome. Thank Kevin is the director of In Unison Chorus, which is part of St. Louis Symphony. And Carl, when I was talking to Eric Dundon um, at the St. Louis Symphony about what to feature during the holiday season, because as you know, they have Handel's Messiah, they have the, the whole community celebration, and they're going to show Home Alone and Elf and they have a holiday big band jazz event too. If you so, go to slso.org, everything is listed. But yes. this is what caught your eye. Why did it catch your eye, Lynn? The gospel Christmas, because I have heard in unison chorus before, and this is connected to the symphony. It's a hundred. Is that right, Kevin? A hundred people? Uh, we it, uh, it, it it depends give on the time take. of year, <laughs> give or take a few. Uh, pre COVID, we pre COVID we were probably about a hundred and twenty five strong, and uh, I think going into this concert we'll have about a hundred singers. So it's a it's an excited group of people. We 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 look forward to this every year. Oh, I they're they're fantastic, Carl. If you haven't heard them, and if you're going to pick one event, I would suggest this one. But uh, they're all good. All the things that the symphony are good, and um, I uh, they are celebrating their 27th anniversary. And I used to work at UMSL in the communications department in the late 90s, mm-hmm. and I believe they were just starting out. Right, and did they they had some connection to UMSL at the time? 
Yes, they had a very big connection to UMSL at the time. Uh, Robert Ray, who was um, uh, teaching on, on campus at, at UMSL, uh, leading the choirs there, and I believe teaching piano and doing various various other things. Uh, Dr. Ray is the founding director of In Unison, so that was the, that was the UMSL connection. So uh, several students of his from UMSL were charter members and a part of uh, a part of the start, and all that began right about that time, 93, 94, uh, when community partnerships at um, at the St. Louis Symphony were beginning to reach out and actually create the whole program, which is called In Unison. So In Unison isn't just the chorus, but it's actually a whole program. So, but uh, that all that all began uh, the chorus uh, part of that all began because of Robert Ray's connection to the community, and he had um, advised or been a musician at many of the uh, these uh, dynamic black congregations here in town and so he was the he was the right person to pull these singers together for uh, for what they thought was a pilot project and um, here we are almost 30 years later we're still doing it which is wonderful so yes so how long have you been connected uh, so I, I began my tenure in 2011, I think that's right. So uh, the, the time just seems to be flying by right now. So uh, this coming January, I began in January of 2011. So this this coming January, I guess we'll start my 12th season. But uh, it's been a, it's been a, a wild and wonderful ride with uh, with this group of people. Yes, and now, you mentioned, go ahead, Carl. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, if you go to the SLSO website, you see you in a lovely tuxedo. First of all, I have two questions about your tuxedo. How many tuxedos <laughs> do you have? And do you wear special ties for the holiday shows? Um, well, it, it just sort of depends. Um, I, I guess how many tuxedos to answer that question first, I think maybe I have three or four. Wow. Um, it, I, well, I have you know, one and people say <laughs> I'm crazy. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, their work clothes. I mean, you know, people ask me, you know, what do you do? And so, so they're indeed my work clothes. So, um, and, and so I've, 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 over the years I've traded out and have done some things. Um, there were a few years that I wore a white dinner jacket with a red shirt, you know, all very festive and all very, all very wonderful. And, and those were some, some fun years to do that. Um, but it's a little, uh, wearing the, wearing the white dinner jacket is a, a little difficult for the orchestra because I conduct with the baton. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, whenever the baton passes in front of my jacket, it kind of disappears, you know, so, so, oh. you know, that's, yeah, so right. So it's, it's just a hazard of the job, you know, it's one of those things, but the, but the white dinner jacket, you know, got, got lots of, uh, got lots of kudos, but um, yeah, we, they're, they're, they're fancy, they're fancy occasions, but uh, I, I do want our audiences to know that they don't have to come in tuxedos, <laughs> they can come in whatever they want to wear, but, uh, but, but if you, once you own a tuxedo, you find times to wear it because Absolutely. you have one and it's such, it's such a great feeling to own one because yes. you're like oh my gosh black tie optional no i that's black tie for sure for because sure. if you have one you'll use it and you yes. you'll, you'll be amazed how many times if you own a tuxedo that you will find ways to use it yeah, it is. I, I, I agree totally. And and uh, in, in our audience um, at many of these concerts and our audiences, you know, will will see black tie. Um, we've discovered that a lot of people use not only the in unison concert, but a lot of these Christmas concerts kind of as their holiday celebration. So they'll get together and go to dinner first and then come to the concert or, you know, have dessert or drinks. And so uh, it's it's just wonderful that um, that our our audiences and our patrons, you know, sort of uh, include the symphony as a part of their holiday celebrations. I think that's that's what makes it special. 
Oh, it does for for sure. And it is nice to see people so fussed because the last two years have been tough. Right. You probably had to alter of uh, what what you've done through the pandemic, but now you're returning full speed ahead. Right, right, absolutely, and and uh, there, yes, there, there was a year we, you know, we once we began this this process, you know, we sort of feel like it it just continues on, but but uh, we did discover that you know uh, every everything can be vulnerable at some point, and so there was a year that we didn't have Gospel Christmas, which seemed miraculous to a lot of people, but that was our reality. So uh, for me now, I, th- I think you know, kind of my my new renewed energy is that um, there's no time to make bad music. We're just going to have to do the <laughs> offer the best things that we can to our audiences because it really can go away and and almost almost overnight you know when all of that happened in in march of 2020 how we we, we dare talk about that but it just seemed to be overnight that uh, that you know programs were canceled and and uh, we just ended up at home and um that was i think it was surprising to a lot of people how quickly and easily that happened and it it could go away again so uh, so i think we just sort of uh, treasure and cherish every moment that we're on stage because singing is communal now what can you tell us about the program this year uh, for well, for the in unison program, um, uh, our our program for for much of its, its existence is called Gospel Christmas, and uh, and that's um, uh, it's it's not it's not it's a little misleading, but it's also it's also very correct in that it's a little bit of everything. So uh, this this particular concert really is where gospel and Christmas meet. So we've got traditional uh, um, uh, Christmas music that people will hear. So uh, what child is this? And God rest you merry gentlemen and the orchestra will play an arrangement of have yourself a merry little Christmas and carol of the bells so uh, all of those things you know that that make make Christmas wonderful and magical for us so uh, very much you know a, a Christmas celebration but then we you know venture very very deeply into the gospel side of things and so we'll fe- feature the music of Kirk Franklin and Richard Smallwood and John P. Keith so you know some of the some of so the gospel m- modern gospel Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, in, in a lot of ways, you know, what we call urban gospel, uh, too, as a part of that. So uh, so those things are featured. But um, also, we, we really like to, to, to look back uh, at our history and also include spiritual. So we've got a couple of spiritual arrangements uh, that we'll do with the orchestra. Uh, Christmas spiritual, beautiful Christmas spiritual. Mary had a baby and uh, and then also a beautiful city. Um, uh, so so just it, it's a, it'll be a, a night full of of really great music and and some dynamic moments that the audience will enjoy. And for the first time, an audience sing along. We're going to do a sing along of Silent Night with the audience, so we'll get everybody involved. So it's it's um, I'm I, as you can as you can imagine, I'm very excited about this concert. Oh yes, well to me, Christmas isn't Christmas without singing, sure. because that's just you know you can have everything else, but the singing is just when everybody's in community singing it just makes it more special sure i i agree i agree so well, it's the, december 15th right so december, yes december 15th and there are there are still actually for all of our concerts there's still tickets available and so uh, you mentioned it already but uh, slso.org and they can find out um, about uh, uh, everything that's going on this this season's jam-packed i mean from beginning to end starting uh, all the way back at december 2nd and going all the way through to our our big um 
New Year's Eve celebrations, which have become uh, a popular annual tradition. So it's a month full of really great music. And what do you do besides Christmas? What are some of the programs you do year round? Uh, within Unison, uh, yes. we um, uh, we've just added, um, and I'm, I'm happy to be able to uh, to promote this now um, uh, because uh, we attempted to do uh, a Martin Luther King Day celebration uh, last year. And uh, we had a COVID spike, and 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 life just got you know a little too volatile, and so we decided that we would we would postpone. But it's going to happen this year, so uh, we'll have an MLK concert very soon after the first of the year on MLK Day, and that's a new offering in our uh, in our season. It'll be members of the In Unison Chorus and members of the St. Louis Symphony Chorus together, uh, with both uh, Stefan Denev and myself conducting. So it's going to be oh. um, uh, just a, a really wonderful wonderful evening but the best part is that it's a free concert people can go oh, to wow. slso.org and you, you have to have a reservation so you have to do an rsvp but it is a free concert and i know that those tickets are going fast especially the more we announce it on platforms like this uh, the more that those tickets will uh, will go but it is a it is a free concert and um, a celebration of the life and legacy of dr king and very excited about that and then pretty quickly after that will be lift every voice our black history uh, concert in february so uh, we have a um, uh, we we don't just end with christmas we we have a busy 2023 ahead of us well the I holiday season <laughs> yeah it's the holiday, the holiday season every... starts in october and goes all the way through february Right. Sure. Sure. For us, it feels like it, it feels like it does. So I'm sure yeah, you great. you start way early with the holiday. Fa la la. Yes. Uh, I love that lift every voice. That's just a wonderful uh, event. And I did see uh, Dr. Ray conduct for that was one of the first things I think they started. So that's mm -hmm. good. So how did you get your start, Kevin? Um, well, uh, music has always just been a part of my life. I, I, um, I think I sang as, as early as I could talk and walk. So, uh, that was a piece of it. And, um, and, you know, sang all, all the way, you know, all the way through school, uh, growing up. And it wasn't until probably, um, end of high school going into college and deciding what my major would be that, um, I, I decided that, yeah, this is, even though it, it, it can be a tough career sometimes, uh, that, that was what my, what my career uh, was to be. I started out as a singer, so um, so I spent much of my time singing and sang musical theater and sang opera, and uh, you know sang with the with the Houston Grand Opera and the chorus when I was there, and and um, and uh, uh, did lots of you know lots of solo and oratorio singing, and uh, little by little the conducting just took over. So uh, so I've I've spent just as much you know time in front of choruses and orchestras as I have uh, you know, as a singer, but um, it's uh, it's indeed a passion. So. With the last name Macbeth, uh, how do you get around on stage? Because a lot of people will not say your name on stage. <laughs> that is correct. Now the now the loophole. You're Carl. You're 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 showing your you're showing your your prowess now. You know all of these things. But uh, the loophole that I have is that my name is actually spelled M C as opposed to M A C. Even though they do sound the same, but I use that as the loophole. But um, people have uh, people have been saying my name on stage. And so far, knock on wood, the luck has been pretty good. So. <laughs> but you had you had heard that and thought of that for probably many years. 
Oh yes, and in fact, I had a chance. I had a chance to meet Leonard Bernstein, if you can believe it or not, oh, years yeah. ago when he came through Houston, um, uh, conducting the Israeli Philharmonic on tour. And wow. uh, just just by happenstance, we got a chance to be a part of a meet and greet. And I told him my name, and he said, "Macbeth, that's a, that's a great stage name. I should change mine." So, <laughs> uh, so he was he was of course very charming. But um, but the, I, I think the name probably has um, <laughs> has has gotten me through a few doors. So that's a that's a that's a wonderful byproduct well they will remember you for sure <laughs> sure sure yeah well that's that's pretty impressive meeting leonard Bernstein. well the houston grand opera has got a quite a national reputation Yes, yeah, Houston, Houston Symphony, Houston Grand Opera. Those were those were my uh, those were my inroads to uh, to to um, uh, to music. In fact, um, I saw an opera uh, as a part of a, as a part of an education program. You know, went to the symphony and saw an opera, and you know, just just was uh, was bitten by the bug uh, right at that time. And so it's it's so wonderful to know that you know those education opportunities continue, and and uh, that's a big part of what we do at SLSO is uh, offer those opportunities for for um our preschool and elementary age and and above uh, students come to hear the orchestra and hear uh hear these programs and and uh, meet the conductors and and hear great music knowing that in those audiences we have you know um uh, people who you know like me will be bitten by the bug and and um and uh, uh decide to do something silly like music as a career so <laughs> so it does happen well what's right. it like what's it like to see that spark go off, that light bulb go off in somebody's head, like they've just they're te they're tentative. They just are like, oh, I just sing at church. They're nervous and everything, and then you discover their their joy and their gift. What's that like? It's I think it's I think it's probably part of the you know best part of my job. Um, it is it is really rewarding. I, I say this often, but it's really rewarding uh, to watch people do what they were created to do. And um, and so when you hear singers, you know, for instance, um, uh, Shalea, who is our, our guest artist at, at Christmas, she's just one of those voices that, you know, the moment she opens her mouth, you're like this is what she this is why she's here this is this is the her reason for existence and so when you you know when you encounter people like that it it um it it sort of speaks into your humanity and who you are as well and so it's a, it's a thrill it's a it's a joy of what we do um i make it a point um at, at many of our concerts to to try to get out to the foyer to uh, to greet audience members and to say hi to people and um and our audience members of all ages you know people who have come to every single one for 20 years or or uh, you know, brand new little ones who are who are coming and experiencing this for the uh, for the first time, and so uh, just just being able to greet them and um, and kind of break down that wall and and let them know that you know those of us on that on that big stage are people too, and we we love we love what we do and we love sharing it with people. So it's a it's a great honor. So the Gospel Christmas is December fifteenth. The MLK presentation is on the sixteenth of January, and the Lift Every Voice is on February 24th. You're going to be busy for the next yes. couple months. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I am. And in fact, we, um, uh, Lynn mentioned it earlier, but we've been, we've actually been singing Christmas music since the beginning of September. So we oh. start early. So yeah, that's, but that's, that's worse that's, than KZK. 
<laughs> that's our life. You know, that's that's just what we do. But I make it a point not to listen to anything outside of what I'm working on. So and I'm, I'm a big I mean, you know, just because of my job, but I'm a big fan of Christmas music. I have a big collection of I still have Christmas CDs, if you can believe that. We you know, have I them too. actually. Yes. Yeah, I actually, you know, pop them in the CD player and, and uh, while I'm decorating. And so and the Hallmark Channel is on in the background. Right, exactly. All, all the things, right? All the things. Yeah. KZK started playing Christmas music Thursday at midnight. Yes. Yes. That's so, what I heard. Yes. Wow. Right, right. Oh, and I want to mention this. I want to mention one more thing that is not involved with you in unison. But uh, Star Wars 7, The Force Awakens is going to be at the St. Louis Symphony february 3rd 4th and 5th so yes i just wanted to get so they've already done the prequel trilogy they've already done the original trilogy now they're in the sequel trilogy gotcha so gotcha i yeah. guess that means for the next three years there'll be star wars movies at the <laughs> symphony orchestra lots of things going on speaking of movies before we before we leave that that uh that topic um that that's become my favorite way to watch movies now is just at jurassic park week before last you know right all yes. and uh, the Home audience and just, elf yeah. Home Alone and Elf. I, what 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 better way to 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 spend uh, spend Christmas time? So I just want to make sure that folks know that the, both of those tickets are still available for both those movies. And who you know who doesn't love Home Alone and who doesn't love uh, Will Ferrell and Elf? And and I'm I'm I I I have to be there. I just those are those are two of my top favorites. And and excited to hear the the score live with the orchestra on stage. It's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun time. Home Alone is the Thursday, the 22nd of December and Friday, the 23rd. And then Elf is Thursday, the 29th and Friday, December 30th. Right. Make your plans now. And yes, you should probably yeah. already have your tickets if you like all these. I have a friend who loves Home Alone and the symphony's not like her regular thing. But last year she bought the home alone Lego set. And this year she's going to the symphony because she loves that great. movie so much. I think that's great. Well, and I, I tell people what a great Christmas gift, buy your family tickets to the symphony as a Christmas gift. And, and uh, for either of those movies, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. I, I wish I wasn't so far from my family. Uh, I mentioned earlier that Houston's home. And so they're, they're all in Texas, but uh, now I have, you know, uh, nieces and nephews and great nieces and great nephews and would love to, you know, have that experience with them at the hall, but it's a, it's a great Christmas gift. So go, go buy your family tickets to, to the symphony. That is a great idea. I used to give this uh, this friend of mine who's passed uh, every year the symphony holiday. Well, when the pops were and John McDaniel from St. Louis, he used those like every year. That was his Christmas present, especially for people who you don't know what to buy for. Yes. Yeah. This is a wonderful gift. And you're walking out of Paul, uh, Paul Hall in such a festive spirit. It just <laughs> makes your it makes your day or evening or whenever you go. But yeah, if you want to get in Christmas spirit, go to Paul Hall because it's also beautifully decorated. Yes. Yeah. We, we always look forward to it. And uh, annually people stand in front of the, you know, the, the beautiful staircase mm, yes. or the Christmas tree or come to meet Santa. It's all the things, you know, again, it's just a, a wonderful experience. And, um, and they're, they're all so family friendly. That's the thing that I love about it too, is that, that everybody enjoys this. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm a people watcher. So I love getting there early and just, you know, sort of standing in the corner and watching people as they enter the foyer and, you know, looking up and looking around. It's, it's just, a, it's just a magical thing for me. I love doing that. And, and there's something if you're not, if you don't like watching the movies, but they're doing Handel's Messiah the first weekend 
of December. So there are many things that are going around at the symphony that there is something for everyone if you like classical music and or gospel or watching movies with a live orchestra. It's varied, and that is good because there's something for everybody. Right, right, and 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 we mentioned the jazz before as well. So uh, there's a there's a little bit of, of everything, and and when I look at the schedule for December, just you know thinking what the what the orchestra is going to be involved in, it's a it's a it's a busy time. But um, uh, that um, having that kind of diversity, I think, speaks to to who our audience is, and we we have and, people who love jazz and love classical and love gospel. So it's great to have that variety. And I will say this because you probably can't. Uh, if you go to Handel's Messiah or a Gospel Christmas, that counts as church for the week. <laughs> you know what? I, I said that once at a program and got all kinds of all See, kinds of that's why I can say it and you, you can, can say it. Yes. Yeah. I, I will agree. I, I will I will concur, but <laughs> but you can't say that because you will get hate mail. Yes, that that is true. That is true. But I'm, I'm excited that, you know, Messiah has uh, has made its return. You know, it's on rotation every two or three years with um, uh, with the symphony. And um, uh, um, Lawrence Cummins, who is is our, the guest conductor coming from Great Britain, is uh, is a Messiah specialist. In fact, um, he has um, uh, probably single handedly uh, restarted the come and sing uh, Messiah, the Messiah sing alongs. They happen all over Great Britain and he's been involved in those. I think he's also been involved in a um, in a staged version of Messiah. So uh, this is a specialist who knows the work in and out. And so I think the symphony chorus is going to love that experience with him. Well, you can't beat live music and especially with such pedigrees. Thank you so much for your time. It was a delight to talk to you today. And Carl, I've got to get this on my schedule. I've got to get my schedule because <laughs> we have we covering theater and movies in December is kind of crazy, but it should slow down a little bit. So it it will not, it will (laughs) not because then they release all these movies in December, even though they screen them to us in December, even though in St. Louis, they might not come to theaters until January or February. We have to see them so we can vote on them for our best of the year stuff. So it's just insane. And so seeing concerts, that is a respite for us because that's joy and we don't have to be working at the time. Oh, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's interesting to know. I hadn't heard that before, but it does make sense. Yeah. You can find out everything you want to know about all the programs that are coming this holiday season. And, and uh, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a happy <laughs> new year. Yes, yes. And and uh, looking looking forward to everything that 2023 will bring us. So uh, just just moving on and getting back to normal. Yes, absolutely. Fingers crossed. So, yes. uh, Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin Macbeth, MC Beth. Kevin Macbeth, thank you for being on with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, thanks for uh, for talking up uh, our our concerts. It's going to be a great time in December. Love it. Definitely, for sure. Uh, thank you. Um, I was going to ask you, though, if among your CD collections, do you have the Luther Vandross one, uh, the Christmas uh, CD that he did? Absolutely. Yes. Because <laughs> yeah, yes. that's my favorite and I will put it on in July. <laughs> well there there's one if if you don't have it there's one i keep telling people about and they're just shocked but uh CeeLo green i don't know if you remember remember the yes. artist oh. Narl Sparkly. Christmas- 
Yes, his Christmas CD is out of this world. And uh, if you're if you're you know if you're cleaning your house during December, getting ready for company, that's the one to put on because you know you'll you'll get done in no time. It's just a it's just a great one to dance around the house to. <laughs> that's good to know. Yeah, that's a great one. That's that's another good one. Well, thank you very much for being on with us, and we'll see you at the symphony. Yes. Well, that was great. That was fun. Speaking of Christmas, now I'm in the Christmas mood because usually I it takes a while for me to get in it, but now I am in. Well, uh, this movie will probably be number one until Christmas. Right, because we are going to talk about a Christmas movie, but now we're going to talk about the big blockbuster cultural phenomenon known as Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And Carl and I saw it at the same time. In IMAX. It, so, it, it's it's beautifully shot. It's got it's got the same writer and same director, Ryan Coogler. And also we've this is the 30th Marvel movie. 30. Can you believe that they are up to 30? Does it no. seem like it's been 30? No. Well, maybe this year. It has. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the yeah. 30th Marvel movie. And since Black Panther was such a cultural phenomenon, nominated for Best Picture and we all went through the tragedy and suddenness of Chadwick Boseman's passing that this movie, the word I keep using to describe it is cathartic because both you and the MCU universe are processing and going through Chadwick Boseman, AKA T'Challa, the black Panther. You're going through this for two hours and 41 minutes you're dealing with it in both real life and in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right, which is, it's a heartfelt tribute, but his loss is so deeply felt. In that, the film. Yes, that is one of the plot points, but it it also is a big shadow looming large over the movie that I like the girl power focus I but like it's not that. it's not about girl power. It's it th there. It's more about uh, dealing with loss and grief. Just the fact that they're all women doesn't mean that it's a girl power movie. Right. Because, but because your, vil your villain is a male. Right. But they have to they have to uh, take his place in the, the hierarchy. And so they have to fulfill those roles. And, and that doesn't even come in for the after an hour and a half, there's no discussion of another black Panther because if you remember at the end of the original black Panther, uh, Killmonger has destroyed all the flowers to uh, create the next black Panther. And so uh, Shuri Letitia Wright has been trying to synthetically create one. Right. Well, she's, she's very good in this movie. What really surprised me was how good Angela Bassett was. Yeah. This is Angela Bassett's movie, not Letitia Wright's movie. Even though uh, she is an Oscar nominee and has a worldwide acclaim uh, in recent years, she's just been playing like a mom's a mom's a supporting role. Like she's a government operative or she's in charge of something. And here she is regal as queen Ramonda. And she gives some world leaders. She hands back their hats to them at the United Nations meeting because Wakanda has something they all want, which is vibranium. 
Of right. course, it's not real. This is made up by Marvel, but it is a resource that Wakanda has that nobody else has, except in this movie, we find out that the CIA is looking for it and they're up to their usual shenanigans. And there is an underwater kingdom that Wakanda will be at war with uh, because yes. of vibranium. So so what'd you think about the underwater kingdom? Tenek Huerta plays Namor, but in the comics, he was originally called the Submariner, but they also called him Namor, but the Submariner, which they do not use that in this movie at all, but they do use the word mutants. And some people say, well, this is just like Aquaman. Actually, Namor came out two years before Aquaman did in the Marvel Universe in comic books. So not only that, but James Cameron is probably kicking himself. He should have released uh, Avatar sequel uh, a little sooner because the people from Namor's world are blue underwater people. And the next Avatar movie is about being underwater in the life of water. And uh, this is beating it by a couple months. I know. Well, the Navis, that's the right. tribe in the Avatar movies. Uh, the first thing I thought of was when we were in the underwater kingdom was, oh, my God, this looks like Avatar. And oh, my God, this is like Aquaman. But it's but this is all this was all before that. So I know, but I'm just but, saying. Uh, it, but the initiative is going to think of it. The weird thing is the introduction of Ironheart. They're going to Ironheart's going to be a direct sequel to Wakanda Forever. Ironheart does not need to be in this movie because it's already two hours and forty one minutes long. She kind of gets. I mean, she's more of a MacGuffin than she is an actual uh, driving of the plot device because she's, the, I think she gets short shifted and Ironheart's going to be big in phase five and with the young Avengers. So I don't, I don't think she needed to be in this movie. Well, that just passed me right by because my unfamiliarity with the uh, Marvel comic world now, um, I like this way better than Kent did. I gave it a B and Kent gave it a C. He thought it was. Oh, I like it better than. The, it's not a C. It's a solid B, B plus. Well, that's what I thought. But Kent didn't like that it, it, it has the aspect of the geopolitical thriller. He doesn't like the politics involved there. Uh, I like that. We're not supposed to ruin the cameos, so I won't. No. And but... there are more than, even though, here's the, one of them was announced a year ago and we all forgot about it. And so when that character shows up, you're like, oh, that's great. Oh, wait, I already, I, I forgot that I knew about this already. And there are other things. I mean, we didn't, we didn't really talk about the men. I mean, we talked about, uh, Namor, but we didn't talk about Everett Ross coming back, Martin Freeman, and we didn't talk about Winston Duke as Umbaku, who's very good. He's very, great in this. He has a lot good. more to do in this one. And they do mention why Daniel Kaluuya is not in this movie. And the funny thing is, since there were a lot of things that happened in Black Panther that kind of got glossed over because Thanos showed up 
And they actually take all those loose threads from Black Panther and they address them. Do you remember what happened in Black Panther when you betrayed me? This is why your husband's in prison. That They go back and they address the things because everyone was complaining that those were loose threads. But what happened was Thanos showed up and everyone got blipped or snapped away. But they're still dealing with that. And Angela Bassett has a great scene where she's talking to uh, Danny Guerrera about what happened in Black Panther and how she felt betrayed by her because it's not about the officer. It's about the office. And it's very, very smart because a lot of people said, oh, all those loose ends. No, they're picking up those loose ends and there are consequences. And we also, Lynn, have not talked about Lupita Longo, who is great. And it's we haven't seen her on screen for I mean, the last couple of things she's done was with Star Wars and she was doing motion capture there. She in, in that uh, stained glass dress outfit, she looks fantastic and she looks like she's having a good time. Right. Well, speaking of the outfits, Ruthie <laughs> Carter outdoes herself. Oh, yeah. She did. She did all the she won an Oscar for their outfits in the first one. The first black woman to ever win costume design. And mm-hmm. I think she's on target to win another one because this one even out is more dazzling than the first one. And it's just stunning. Now the, the creatives that are back, the Oscar winners, Hannah Beekler did the uh, uh, production design. And she not only was the first Oscar, a uh, black Oscar winner for production design, She's the first black woman to ever be nominated for production design. And then the great composer Ludwig Göransson. Uh, from won. he he did the music for The Mandalorian. So he's in the Disney family already. Well, he's great. And he did uh the music to this one, which is fine. So the creativeness, the technical dazzle is there. The and also visual- and also Rihanna has her first song in six years, even though she said um, I'm not going to do it. This doesn't mean I'm going to have an album out. I just did a song for this movie. Lift Me Up plays over the end credits. So actually, there, there are two Rihanna songs in this film, both playing over the end credits. Which is likely the front runner for best original song at the Oscars right now. It is. And then uh, so it's it's brilliantly composed. A lot Everything- of things. A lot of things are right in this movie. I mean, right. and but it's two hours and 41 minutes. So there there's a lot to be nitpicky about. Right. What I didn't like is we have three plots going on at the same time and it gets unwieldy. I think especially, uh, uh, you know, one of my big things, and I know I am not the demo for the MCU, but. Yet you've watched 30 of these movies. Right. Well, maybe 28. It's all right, but you're invested in this and don't, and it's very reverential to those people that have followed this for so long. And if let's just say this if you've only watched Black Panther and maybe Infinity War and Endgame, you can still follow along with most of the things that are going on in this film. Right. But we've got the grieving, which is, is so well handled. And then we have the underwater war. Yeah. And then we have the, uh, political thriller with the CIA and everything. And I think it just gets too sprawling mm-hmm. because those conflicts, 
those battles between the blue people and Wakanda <laughs> get really yeah. There's not you're overdone. you're supposed to you're supposed to love this uh, Talokan land, and you really don't see anything about it, and you don't see any of the other people except for the warriors. I mean, there's not a lot of you know. Namor's a god-like creature, and you don't see them worshiping him. You don't see you don't see what the uh, dynamics of this underwater city are. So you're expected to. <laughs> a lot of that stuff is unearned, I would say. Yeah, so that's my my beef is that it's just got too unwieldy, too sprawling, um, more focus because we are seeing a lot of these post two and a half hour movies yes we're gonna see uh, avatars more than three um there are a lot of movies that are but as we have said many times if you uh if you are enjoying the film you don't care how long it is no and and uh, there's a lot riding on black panther because it was is so it meant so much to so many people it can't have that same impact as the first one, but I think it's a worthy follow-up and especially it honors Chadwick Boseman in a way that only Ryan Coogler could. Well, and, and also Ryan Coogler and Joe Robert Cole, they say they didn't really change the script that much. So it's like Shuri is just taking over both her part and uh, T'Challa's part. So I can I can see that a lot of the stuff they just changed a couple things, but basically the beats and the points because you know Kevin Feige, Feige he makes you you have to hit certain beats to make sure that you're pushing the story along, and right. it seems that they just adapted a couple things and didn't really have to do that much to change it. No, well, it is the greatest advertisement for women uh, to go follow STEM careers that yeah. there is. Well, yeah, because, well, we, we, I complained about her, but I didn't really talk about uh, Dominique Thorne as Riri Williams, a.k.a. Ironheart. In fact, I don't think they even call her Ironheart in this movie. They don't. They don't. So that was new to me. Okay. Yeah. She's, she's like a young African American Tony Stark. And so she's a brilliant, another brilliant scientist. And so I think they should have left her in the series rather than I don't think she's shoehorned in this movie. She's introduced in this movie. Um, and I think there could have been a lot more with her, but Lynn, speaking of young women empowering, let's go back to the 1880s and talk about a movie that's been inspired by true events. And then you don't realize that it has been inspired by true events. The number one movie on Netflix and the number seven or eight movie on Netflix are the two Enola Holmes movies. Did you know that? People I are did going not back. Know that. Yeah, people are going back. I'm like, oh, Enola Holmes 2 is number one. That makes sense because it just came out. But the first one is also in the top 10 because people are revisiting it or doing double features. I did not go back and watch it. I loved Enola Holmes when it came out. It was in my top 10 that year. I thought it was great. I love the fact that. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown found something for her to do. And she went out and found this Nancy Springer series of books. And the first movie is based on a book. This one deviates from the book series and goes right to a true event. And 
wedges the Enola Holmes, Sherlock Holmes story in this. Uh, Sam Claflin is not back as Mycroft Holmes, by the way, and he is very missed. Uh, Helena Bottom Carter has, depends on how you look at it, three to five scenes. She she didn't shoot for very long on set, but she's still in the movie. And uh, the kid, uh, Lewis Partridge, plays Tewksbury. So there are a lot of threads going on from the first movie. And I enjoyed Enola Holmes, too. I think it's great that Millie Bobby Brown found something that she can continue doing after the next season of Stranger Things is over. Well, my literary friends, the ones that read all the time, love Enola Holmes and could not wait for the second one. And I told them it was going to be on. So I haven't talked to them since they've seen it. I have not had time because, as you know, I had a vote for the uh, Joe Williams Award for Best Documentary. Documentaries. Mm -hmm. I had eight movies to watch. And then I also had to vote for the Critics' Choice Association Documentary Awards. My ballot was due on Wednesday. So I had to wrap up the docs. So uh, after I can breathe, I'm going to. (laughs) You're going to go back and watch it. Yes, Mm -hmm. for pleasure. Because uh, I had five movies on KTRS last uh, last night. Uh, Not it, and you couldn't even watch this one. This I one know. was this one was a fun. You would have liked this, I think, because it's a fun breather. It's fun. She breaks the fourth wall. If you saw the first one, it's more of the same. But also, there's a since there's no Mycroft, there's a lot more Sherlock Holmes. So Henry, Henry Cavill, Cavill is is he's playing Sherlock Holmes. And there is a lot more of Sherlock in the first one. Henry Cavill was, you know, doing Justice League and then Zack Snyder's Justice League. And so he's, you know, that was two years ago. Now he's a lot more free. It actually makes me wonder if when they do the third one and they will, because they lead into more of the Sherlock Holmes uh, mythology, including villains and the future of Sherlock Holmes. I wonder now that he's putting back on the cape, if he'll be able to do Enola Holmes three, or if Sam Claflin will come back and there'll be more Mycroft. I, I'm curious and whether they go on this uh, realistic fiction, uh, historical fiction bent that they're on, or if they'll go back to the book series, I want them to go back to the book series because they, they're fantastic little reads. So not little reads there. I mean, they're, well established nice, breezy summer kind of reading books sort of for kids and yeah. and the the kids netflix was good to partner with millie bobby brown so that they can keep her in the netflix family for the next dozen years or so because she can make these movies for a while the enola holmes mysteries uh in case you don't know is fictional it it's what they argued about when Nancy Springer wrote these books is that since it takes place mostly before all of the things in Sherlock Holmes books from Conan Doyle, even though the Conan Doyle estate gets a mention at this, um, as long as it doesn't get too much into the mythology, but there is strong pushing of the Sherlock Holmes mythology near the end of these books. So there are eight books in the series and a graphic novel I want them to go back to more of the more of the books rather than 
the historical fiction. I, I mean, that would be great. You do one of the books, do one historical fiction, and then you can have like 16 movies. And I think it would be great. I mean, she'd be 40 by the time all these were going on. Well, she's she's grown up. Wow. Right. She's wow. 18 now. Yeah. Oh, she's she's quite a a, a a captivating young woman. And you could tell I saw some, you know, the the publicity of both of them together, Henry Cavill and, and Millie Bobby Brown. And they have a very nice chemistry together. Yes. And you could tell that that he had great affection for her and a brother sister kind of way you know and uh that's good because that's what they are in yes. the movie and uh she's dating the son of john bon jovi who yeah. looks just like her dad his dad hmm so hmm. yeah she's okay. grown up well yeah she's 18 now she's an adult and she's doing things to you know once she's not going to be 11 in a year and a half then she she has found a good path, I think. All right, Lynn, let's uh, go back to Christmas and talk Christmas. Speaking what did you see a, on Apple Plus? Okay, speaking of a couple that works well together, uh, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds team up for the very first time. And they are hilarious together. Now, they are both in their lane. Okay. Will Ferrell plays the doofus charmer. Now, hold, now hold on a second. Will Ferrell has more than one lane because he can play serious as well, besides just doofus. Okay, so but he's playing his doofus, his charming <laughs> doofus. That's what he's playing here. He's the ghost of Christmas present. And then Ryan Reynolds is playing the unredeemable marketing shark. Clint Briggs, who who is selected as the dark soul that needs to be reformed, only he turns the table on the ghost, and uh, he starts examining Will Ferrell's life. So it's so. it's it is it's a Christmas Carol, but one it's a musical, and two it reflects more on the ghosts than it does on the Scrooge character. Right. You don't even see Scrooge, really. Um, uh, you see Marley, who's mm -hmm. played by Patrick Page, who looks remarkably like Patrick Stewart. Uh, you know, once you see him closer, you're like, oh, that's not Patrick Stewart. And then <laughs> uh, you uh, and then uh, Sunata Manny okay. is the ghost of Christmas past. She's very cute. And then the ghost of Christmas yet to come is voiced by Tracy Morgan, but is a big hulking actor in uh, a robe and a black and a no face. Gotcha. When they're showing them with, all. With, so, with Tracy Morgan's voice. Right. We have the four ghosts. So it's flipped onto them. It's modern world. It's 19th century world versus modern world. And there's a lot of jokes this is one of those movies that celebrates being a Christmas movie and all that that entails, but it also mocks them at the same time. So Our, it's like an elf or a bad Santa. Yeah, kind of. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's kind of like a, a yeah, it's kind of like a Bros meets Scrooged. That's what I called it. Bros is in like the gay rom com, not the gay, not the gay rom com, okay. but like a like a bromance. Oh, okay. Because like a elf romance meets Scrooged. All right. And it's a musical. Yes, by Justin Paul and Benji Pasek, 
also known as Pasek and Paul, they have the got and the egot. They don't have an Emmy yet, although they were nominated for one. But okay. uh, they have won an Oscar for La La Land. They won a Tony for Dear Evan Hansen. And they won a Grammy for Greatest Showman plus Dear Evan Hansen. Mm -hmm. But uh, so they are on their way. And uh, they have a selection of uh, music. It's not as it's not going to be greatest showman territory. No, but they have some very nice ones. And who knew Ryan Reynolds could sing? Because you know Will Ferrell can sing. So uh, they have a they have a, a a big splashy tap number in the beginning uh, called that Christmas morning feeling. And then that also is the wrap up curtain call song. And uh, that's pretty funny. Now the choreography is quite good and it is by Chloe Arnold who does all those James Corden numbers on, oh, okay. uh, you know, when he does like the crosswalk musical and, yeah. and all that. So she's a choreographer on that show. I don't know what else she has done, but uh so it's very snappy, peppy. Uh, there's a song called Good Afternoon, which is in South Park territory. Pretty funny. And then Octavia Spencer gets a wonderful ballad, The View From Here, where she plays a woman who had great aspirations and integrity. And she's working for the slime ball, Ryan Reynolds. And she's looking at her life like, how did I compromise who I am? to work for a, for a corner office. Uh -huh. And so she has that reflection and it's good. She's a, she's a perfect foil for Farrell and Reynolds and Reynolds is okay. If, if Will Farrell's in his doofus role, Ryan Reynolds is playing that slick snarky, snarky dude. That's his lane. That's where we're here. But his family that he is that you know uh, is the normal family that he ignores uh his niece is played by marlo barkley his his sister is played by andrea anders and that's the director's sister yeah but it's sean the, anders sean yeah. anders uh he he wrote hot tub time machine he wrote we're the millers uh directed the daddy's home movies with will ferrell and instant family with uh was Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Yeah. And so he you know he's he has some really good movies that he's written and some that he has directed. And yeah, I like Andrea Anders. I loved her on uh Better Off Ted. And but she was the girlfriend on Joey, the friend yeah. spinoff. Yeah. So she's been a lot. If you look her up on IMDB, she's got a ton of series. So um it's a very pleasant. Uh, one uh, Rose Byrne has a great Rose Byrne from Instant Family has a great opening um, as the Karen of the neighborhood. OK, which is I thought was hilarious. And then uh, uh, they do they 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 have Christmas movie Easter eggs in it, I will say. And okay. they also just they just have fun with this. This is just fun it's not serious it's getting you know these these hoity-toity critics are like Ugh. and i just had a blast uh watching it because it was entertaining and after seeing all this pretentious awards bait the past two weeks i was ready for something just fun and, and you know and this was it 
Yeah. And so, okay, the jokes don't all land, but some of them are. Well, you know, because he he also uh, directed That's My Boy with Adam Sandler and Andy Samberg. So and which which he was nominated for a Razzie for. Right. So there's hit and miss there. Well, he did Horrible Bosses, too, which is pretty funny. And you know how I think. And he also did Dumb and Dumber, too. So, yeah. So I mean, he's hit and miss. But he also did Mr. Popper's Penguins. And I like that. Well, what what it is, is, you know, he makes those genial just folks comedy. It's in the middle lane. A lot of people like that, Carl. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are in that that mode. And at Christmas, people just want something uh, to be, uh, you know, this isn't warm and fuzzy. So it's not one of those. But it is not as uh, I was reading one line that it, uh, he said uh, this one critic said that what really gets him at Christmas time is all these slapped together movies just to make a buck about for Christmas. Oh, the Hallmark Channel. Yeah. And, Lifetime. And, and if you think about it, if you looked Netflix. it up, there's mm-hmm. like a hundred and fifty Christmas movies coming yes. out between oh. now and Christmas. Which Hallmark, is- Lifetime, Great American Country, and Netflix. Those four things, those four outlets have all of these silly movies. Right. And they're we all have, the same uh, movie. Right. We have uh we have Amy Schumer um uh parodied it in her first episode of uh Inside Amy Schumer. Uh, I don't have Paramount Plus. Another reason I should get it. I love Inside Amy Schumer. Well, it's on Comedy Central too. Is it? I don't think it is. I think it's only on Paramount Plus. Well, it's part of the Comedy Central. You're right. Well, okay. look it up because I well actually I think you can get it online. I don't know, but anyway, um, and you should have Paramount Plus just for a trial so you can watch the offer and also Lar- Jerry and Marge go large or or also uh the South Park movies which I have now missed four of them, which I really want to see and Beavis and Butthead. See, there are lots of things on Paramount plus that I should be watching. Just get the four ninety nine trial. Well, you know, just get the trial. Oh, and- you told me to do that with Apple and Apple just went up a dollar. I know. Well, my Hulu just went up and so did my Disney plus and, and all that yeah. stuff that I pay for. Um, okay. So getting back, Amy, Schumer what else this one, with Ellie Kemper? Just if you need to look this up, it's Ellie Kemper who plays a hedge fund manager who goes back to her hometown. And then of course the guy selling the Christmas trees is her old high school boyfriend. Yep. And it's hilarious. I'm not going to tell you more, but she mocks the holiday uh, movies. Now um, I saw um, a couple other movies that you did not. Um, After Sun is an awards uh, magnet movie, getting a lot of buzz. It's a first-time director and writer named Charlotte Wells. It got excellent reviews from the Cannes Film Festival, and it's by A24. And as my nephew said, are they making, like, all the good movies now? So so, um, uh, it is a very gentle deliberately paced film but at the same time it's profound this is the best kind of art movie to me because it is a relationship between a father and a daughter the dad and mother do not live together they don't really explain the backstory 
of the mom and the dad, but the dad is a young dad and he's a fun loving dad, but uh, he takes his daughter who's 11, who's wonderfully played by an actress named Frankie Corio. I think this is her debut and he's Paul Meskel, which was Emmy uh, nominated for normal people, but he okay. might've won the Emmy. I don't know. But anyway, he's a highly touted young actor and he's her dad. He takes her to Turkey to a resort for a two week holiday. So they are immersed in this resort world and you're on vacation. But it is about when you're a child, you put your parents on a pedestal. Yes. And then he, when he won. He won the BAFTA and was nominated for the Emmy. Oh, OK. I knew he won something. He, he's and, also in that awful Lost Daughter movie. Yeah, but he's the he's the guy that works at the place, right? Yeah, Olivia uh, Coleman uh, yeah. talks. He's actually one of the more sympathetic people in it. Now the whole movie's awful. Well, I know. When right, I saw, back, name, I let's mean, get back to back Turkey. to After Sun. One word. Okay. And so you know how, as an adult, then you look at your parents and you see them as the human beings they were. Yes. So this reconciles that because we have a grown up looking back. This is a memory movie. You hear the whirring of the video camcorder. Ah. It's like she's replaying these memories in her head. It's like a collage of okay. these bits with her father. And he's uh, a flawed human being, but he dearly loves his daughter and he is uh you know tries to make this experience best but uh he has uh some depression issues and i don't know what else is going on with him because you don't this is the kind of thing where you uh you don't get all the whole story that you just kind of imagine that um you know there's some issues there but the girl is She's at that stage of 11 where she's she's like observing people when she's alone at this resort. She's looking at the adult behaviors and she's that and she's a smart kid. She reads. Uh, they have a one of the lines is because they don't live together. One of the lines is we share the same sky. Oh, I know. Isn't that poignant? Yes. So so it's. Uh, to me, it's a slow burn kind of movie, but at the end, you just really feel it. It really is relatable. You feel it. It's just one of those kind of movies that sneaks up on you. Okay. Well, I'm probably going to have to watch it because it sounds like it's going to get nominated for a lot of things. Yes, I can imagine that it will, especially the screenplay, I would think. All right, then tell me about yeah. Fire of Love. Well, this is about two real volcanologists, two scientists that made a lifetime of studying volcanoes. Katia Kraft and Maurice Kraft were well known. They worked together. They were married. They're adorable. Two little peas in a pod. And I'm not doing a spoiler here when I tell you that they were killed tragically at a volcano in Japan in 1991. I, do, I remember this real life story. Yeah, they were among 41 scientists and journalists killed with this eruption. So their whole lives, they chased 
volcanic eruptions around the world and they recorded the damage. So this whole movie by Sarah Dosa has all archival footage. It's their movies. They knew they were going to die too. They knew that a volcano would kill them. And uh, they were fearless. And it's about their, uh, it's about their sense of adventure, uh, their life devoted to being explorers. Mm-hmm. Uh, just their mindset. And um, they also were concerned about the environment and nature. And so they bring that into it. But it's really well done. And it is now available on Disney Plus. through Because the- it's National Geographic. Right. And it is one of the nominees on Sunday night. The Critics' Choice Association Documentary Awards will be presented in multiple categories. And this was one of the highest nominated docs. So I think at the year's end. Seven, seven, seven nominations for Critics' Choice Documentary. Yes, but I like this very much because it told me about these two fascinating people. And uh, yeah. Okay. Now, Lynn, I'm I'm going to call you out and say that you did not even mention the number one most anticipated film of everything besides Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. You did not mention Weird, the Al Yankovic story, which is now on Roku. Which Because I don't have Roku. You don't need Roku. You just go to Roku.com and you press play and there it is. Really? Oh, yes. I love Weird Al. I it's, love Weird Al. I loved this movie. My wife's like, that was dumb, which a lot of people have said about Weird Al. And she's like, I love Weird Al. I love what normally what Weird Al does, but this did not work. And she, she said in a world where there's a walk hard and a never stop, never stopping that this movie like 10 years ago, this movie would have been groundbreaking. It is played all for laughs. And okay. Let me just tell you one thing. The conceit in this movie that it's a a true story. uh, Juliet Nicholson plays his mom and she says, stop being who you are and crush all of your dreams, (laughs) which is just, you know, that's what, that's what happens in these biopic movies. And then the other conceit is, that Eat It, Eat It is an original song and Michael Jackson copied it to make Beat It. So, and they play that straight the whole time. Well, I heard- I, I enjoyed our, it. I heard through our friend Max that this is all a dramatic license. This is all oh, made no. up nothing, because- Nothing in the movie happened because Al had a very boring life. His parents were supportive. Uh, they bought him an accordion. He loved it. There, There's a scene where Andy Daly comes to the house as an accordion salesman and Toby Huss's dad beats the hell out of him because there cannot be that devil, the devil's accordion in my house. And Andy Dale is just sitting on the floor bleeding and they, it's, you just got to watch it. Go to Roku.com. I want you to see it and we can talk about it later. Okay. Cause I will, because um, I took my children to see, uh, Weird Al at fantastic uh, stage show, fantastic stage. Show. Oh, he's so good live uh, at Westport Playhouse in 1996, and afterwards we went up to the Then Ozzies for chicken wings. Uh huh. 
And then uh, we were coming to the parking lot on the elevator, uh, you know, waiting for the elevator. The elevator opens and it is Weird Al. Mustache, no mustache. Probably mustache with your kids. I'm this saying, is 1996. He, I can't remember. He didn't, I, I don't think he got rid of the mustache until like 99 when you know, uh, the yeah. Star Wars stuff came out. This is pre uh, cell phones. So you had a camera. Kid, so I, I didn't take a picture, which would be so great now. But he, he did sign Tim's ticket. Uh, he Tim, signed my his, off the deep. I saw him at Six Flags. I did an interview with him that day and I saw him walking to the Old Glory Amphitheater. Just he right, was riding some rides. And I'm like, Al, stop. And like. I have my off the deep end CD jacket with me and he signed it and I have it. And I, I just, I, I love him. He's such a good, good well, he showman. He was so sweet and kind to the kids. And uh, Tim said, cause we're talking, uh, he's in like sixth grade. He goes, this is the greatest night of my life. <laughs> he, he's such a good showman and very clever. We all make up words to songs. He just, you know, had some really good ones. Well, you know who right. is a great fan is uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda, and he who had, might be in this movie. Who um, Al, he did the Hamilton parody. Yeah, he did the Hamilton parody, and he and Jimmy Fallon were on talking about their love of Weird Al. Like they apparently both of them have every single album. And, so do I. Yeah, and that well, I saw the VH1 about Weird Al, the behind the music back that, when. Yes. Yeah, Back that's also parody. Those behind the music were so good. And uh, he was just like this typical class nerd. And he yeah. was the valedictorian, like when he, he got to graduate early and he was the valedictorian yeah. of his class. So he's super smart. And he did have this really boring conventional life, but uh, so brilliant. The cast is full of cameos. I'm not going to spoil anything for you. We'll talk about, watch it and we'll talk about it next week. Okay, well, before we wrap up, I got to talk about a couple things going on in St. Louis. It is the end of the St. Louis Film Festival. This weekend, on Saturday night, I am going to the tribute for the executive director, Cliff Freilich, who's been a friend for years, and he has really taken the the slip into uh, a, quite a renowned event and tireless efforts. He's a journalist, obviously. He worked at the Riverfront Times and the Post-Dispatch. And I don't even know. I, I was going to say this in the tape because they asked me to make a tape for him, but that was when I was in New York, so I couldn't. Um, I was going to say, I don't even know what he, what movies he likes because he's such a... Yeah, you do. His Girl Friday. Well, yeah, which I'm going to see tomorrow but, you know, in terms of like when I've been on juries and when I've been, he's very fair and he's not a snob about film, but he loves movies so much. And he and his wife are very involved with animal rescue and uh, he's happily retired. I sat next to him the other night at Armageddon time and I asked him and uh, he's uh, he's just loving retirement. So he deserves it. But are, it's going to be. Are, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No. Are you going to go to stages tonight? Yes, I am. I'm going to see Norbert Leo Butts. I have never seen him in concert. I'm so excited. Oh, this is going to be a dream. stages gala. Yep. Yes. And I have been a huge fan of his since he did 
the last five years off Broadway. And uh, remember that movie, Dan in Real Life, uh, yeah. where he's the Steve brother. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's one of the brothers. And uh, he was the original Fierro in Wicked. Yes. So, yeah. Bishop and he's from St. Louis. Bishop and... DeBoer. Mm -hmm. I think you just said that. And yeah, no, uh, Southside. Southside. Yeah. Southsider. Hey, Lynn, where can we find you on the socials? I am on. Um, what am I on? All of them. And huh. every Thursday night, I am on uh, K, uh, KTRS with Ray Hartman. I just celebrated my fifth year uh, doing movie reviews on KTRS. Congratulations. Thank you. Five years. And then uh, I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times, where you can see Kent Tenchert and my reviews in real world. And we disagree quite often. <laughs> and... um. What else? I have the website poplifestl.com. And if you want to see a lot of theater reviews, you can see it there. I want to draw people's attention. If you've never seen The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, Hawthorne Players, this is the final weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at matinee. It is fantastic. It is next level tech. It's brilliantly acted. This is one of those humongous hits on broadway tony award winner yep. olivier winner it's very rarely done because it is so the level of difficulty is so hard but ken clark director aces it it is worth your time and money and then also there's a really good play at uh, upstream theater at the marcel called the good ship s saint the good ship saint louis it is based on a true story and it is about it was it took place during World War II Nazi uh, people fleeing Germany? from the Nazis, yeah. And uh, they were on a ship called Good Ship St. Louis. Oh. And they thought they were going to asylum in Cuba, but they got rejected, so they had to go back. Not good. Mm. And then and then it ties it into other immigrant immigrant struggles like the Bosnian community and every people that have landed in St. Louis. So it's very interesting. It's called the good ship St. Louis. It's an original work. It's at the Marcel. It's very powerful. Some of the best actors in St. Louis are in it. Okay. Okay. What are you doing this weekend, Carl? Uh, I have, uh, I'm going to be at Notre Dame basketball, no Notre Dame, female women's basketball at enterprise center. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Carl, the intern. We did a horn test yesterday with my new director of game operations, uh, Anna Goff, and she pressed the horn and they won. So I, she said, does this mean I have to press the horn until we lose? And I said, yes, it does. You can follow me on those two socials and you can hear me on the Mark Cox morning show Monday through Friday on 97.1 also on KMOX on the weekends with Second Amendment Radio and The Great Outdoors, also on 97.1. I'm on the radio seven days a week, so there's no excuse oh for God. not hearing me. Oh, my God, Carl, that's a lot. Hey, it's I forgot lot, to yes. mention, I'm presenting Jeremiah Johnson on Sunday, 1.30 p.m. at the uh, Downtown Library as oh, part nice. of the Slip Golden Anniversaries. I finally get to talk about a Robert Redford movie. Aww. You can gush all day Sunday. All right, Lynn, have a good weekend. You too. Take care. Bye. Thank you, veterans.